section seven masterpieces of negro eloquence edited by alice dunbar nelson this librivox recording is in the public domain the civil rights bell by robert brown elliot representative from south carolina mr speaker while i am sincerely grateful for this high mark of courtesy that has been accorded to me by this house it is a matter of regret to me that it is necessary at this day that i should rise in the presence of an american congress to advocate a bill which simply asserts equal rights and equal public privileges for all classes of american citizens i regret sir that the dark hue of my skin may lend a colour to the imputation that i am controlled by motives personal to myself in my advocacy of this great measure of national justice sir the motive that impels me is restricted by no such narrow boundary but is as broad as your constitution i advocate it sir because it is right the bill however not only appeals to your justice but it demands a response from your gratitude in the events that led to the achievement of american independence the negro was not an inactive or unconcerned spectator he bore his part bravely upon many battlefields although uncheered by that certain hope of political elevation which victory would secure to the white man the tall granite shaft which a grateful state has reared above its sons who fell in defending fort griswold against the attack of benedict arnold bears the name of jordan freeman and other brave men of the african race who there cemented with their blood the cornerstone of the republic in the state which i have the honor in part to represent south carolina the rifle of the black man rang out against the troops of the british crown in the darkest days of the american revolution said general green who has been justly termed the washington of the north in a letter written by him to alexander hamilton on the tenth of january seventeen eighty one from the vicinity of camden south carolina there is no such thing as national character or national sentiment the inhabitants are numerous but they would be rather formidable abroad than at home there is a great spirit of enterprise among the black people and those that come out as volunteers are not a little formidable to the enemy at the battle of new orleans under the immortal jackson a colored regiment held the extreme right of the american line unflinchingly and drove back the british column that pressed upon them at the point of the bayonet so marked was their valor on that occasion that it evoked from their great commander the warmest encomiums as will be seen from his dispatch announcing the brilliant victory as the gentleman from kentucky mr beck who seems to be the leading exponent on this floor of the party that is arrayed against the principle of this bill has been pleased in season and out of season to cast odium upon the negro and to vaunt the chivalry of his state i may be pardoned for calling attention to another portion of the same dispatch referring to the various regiments under his command and their conduct on that field which terminated the second war of american independence general jackson says at the very moment when the entire discomfiture of the enemy was looked for with a confidence amounting to certainty the kentucky reinforcements in whom so much reliance had been placed ingloriously fled in quoting this indisputable piece of history i do so only by way of admonition and not to question the well-attested gallantry of the true kentuckian and to the gentleman that it would be well that he should not flaunt his heraldry so proudly while he bears this bar sinister on the military escutcheon of his state a state which answered the call of the republic in eighteen sixty one 
when treason thundered at the very gates of the capital by coldly declaring her neutrality in the impending struggle the negro true to that patriotism and love of country that have ever marked and characterized his history on this continent came to the aid of the government in its efforts to maintain the constitution to that government he now appeals that constitution he now invokes for protection against outrage and unjust prejudices founded upon caste but sir we are told by the distinguished gentleman from georgia mr stevens that congress has no power under the constitution to pass such a law and that the passage of such an act is in direct contravention of the rights of the states i cannot assent to any such proposition the constitution of a free government ought always to be construed in favor of human rights indeed the thirteenth fourteenth and fifteenth amendments in positive words invest congress with the power to protect the citizen in his civil and political rights now sir what are civil rights rights natural modified by civil society mr lieber says by civil liberty is meant not only the absence of individual restraint but liberty within the social system and political organism a combination of principles and laws which acknowledge protect and favor the dignity of man civil liberty is the result of man's twofold character as an individual and social being so soon as both are equally respected alexander hamilton the right-hand man of washington in the perilous days of the then infant republic the great interpreter and expounder of the constitution says natural liberty is the gift of a beneficent creator to the whole human race civil liberty is founded on it civil liberty is only natural liberty modified and secured by civil society are we then sir with the amendments to our constitution staring us in the face with these grand truths of history before our eyes with innumerable wrongs daily inflicted upon five million citizens demanding redress to commit this question to the diversity of legislation in the words of hamilton is it the interest of the government to sacrifice individual rights to the preservation of the rights of an artificial being called the states there can be no truer principle than this that every individual of the community at large has an equal right to the protection of government can this be a free government if partial distinctions are tolerated or maintained the rights contended for in this bill are among the sacred rights of mankind which are not to be rummaged for among old parchments or musty records they are written as with a sunbeam in the whole volume of human nature by the hand of the divinity itself and can never be erased or obscured by mortal power but the slaughter-house cases the slaughter-house cases the honorable gentleman from kentucky always swift to sustain the failing and dishonored cause of proscription rushes forward and flaunts in our faces the decision of the supreme court of the united states in the slaughter-house cases and in that act he has been willingly aided by the gentleman from georgia hitherto in the contests which have marked the progress of the cause of equal civil rights our opponents have appealed sometimes to custom sometimes to prejudice more often to pride of race but they have never sought to shield themselves behind the supreme court but now for the first time we are told that we are barred by a decision of that court from which there is no appeal if this be true we must stay our hands the cause of equal civil rights must pause at the command of a power whose edicts must be obeyed till the fundamental law of our country is changed has the honorable gentleman from kentucky considered well the claim he now advances if it were not disrespectful i would ask has he ever read the decision which he now tells us is an insuperable barrier to the adoption of this great measure of justice 
in the consideration of this subject has not the judgment of the gentleman from georgia been warped by the ghost of the dead doctrines of states rights has he been altogether free from prejudices engendered by long training in that school of politics that well-nigh destroyed this government mr speaker i venture to say here in the presence of the gentleman from kentucky and the gentleman from georgia and in the presence of the whole country that there is not a line or word not a thought or dictum even in the decision of the supreme court in the great slaughterhouse cases which casts a shadow of doubt on the right of congress to pass the pending bill or to adopt such other legislation as it may judge proper and necessary to secure perfect equality before the law to every citizen of the republic sir i protest against the dishonour now cast upon our supreme court by both the gentleman from kentucky and the gentleman from georgia in other days when the whole country was bowing beneath the yoke of slavery when press pulpit platform congress and courts felt the fatal power of the slave oligarchy i remember a decision of that court which no american now reads without shame and humiliation but those days are past the supreme court of to-day is a tribunal as true to freedom as any department of this government and i am honoured with the opportunity of repelling a deep disgrace which the gentleman from kentucky backed and sustained as he is by the gentleman from georgia seeks to put upon it the amendments in the slaughterhouse cases one and all are thus declared to have as their all-pervading design and ends the security of the recently enslaved race not only their nominal freedom but their complete protection from those who had formerly exercised unlimited dominion over them it is in this broad light that all these amendments must be read the purpose to secure the perfect equality before the law of all citizens of the united states what you give to one class you must give to all what you deny to one class you shall deny to all unless in the exercise of the common and universal police power of the state you find it needful to confer exclusive privileges on certain citizens to be held and exercised still for the common good of all such are the doctrines of the slaughterhouse cases doctrines worthy of the republic worthy of the age worthy of the great tribunal which thus loftily and impressively enunciates them do they i put it to any man be he lawyer or not i put it to the gentleman from georgia do they give colour even to the claim that this congress may not now legislate against a plain discrimination made by state laws or state customs against that very race for whose complete freedom and protection these great amendments were elaborated and adopted is it pretended i asked the honourable gentleman from kentucky or the honourable gentleman from georgia is it pretended anywhere that the evils of which we complain our exclusion from the public inn from the saloon and table of the steamboat from the sleeping coach on the railway from the right of sepulture in the public burial ground are an exercise of the police power of the state is such oppression and injustice nothing but the exercise by the state of the right to make regulations for the health comfort and security of all her citizens is it merely enacting that one man shall so use his own as not to injure another's is the coloured race to be assimilated to an unwholesome trade or to combustible materials to be interdicted to be shut up within prescribed limits let the gentleman from kentucky or the gentleman from georgia answer let the country know to what extent even the audacious prejudice of the gentleman from kentucky will drive him and how far even the gentleman from georgia will permit himself to be led captive by the unrighteous teachings of a false political faith if we are to be likened in legal view to unwholesome trades to large and offensive collections of animals to noxious slaughter-houses 
to the awful and stench which attend on certain manufactures let it be avowed if that is still the doctrine of the political party to which the gentlemen belong let it be put upon record if state laws which deny us the common rights and privileges of other citizens upon no possible conceivable ground save one of prejudice or of taste as the gentleman from texas termed it and as i suppose the gentleman will prefer to call it are to be placed under the protection of a decision which affirms the right of a state to regulate the police power of her great cities then the decision is in conflict with the bill before us no man will dare maintain such a doctrine it is as shocking to the legal mind as it is offensive to the heart and conscience of all who love justice or respect manhood i am astonished that the gentleman from kentucky or the gentleman from georgia should have been so grossly misled as to rise here and assert that the decision of the supreme court in these cases was a denial to congress of the power to legislate against discriminations on account of race color or previous conditions of servitude because that court has decided that exclusive privileges conferred for the common protection of the lives and health of the whole community are not in violation of the recent amendments the only ground upon which the grant of exclusive privileges to a portion of the community is ever defended is that the substantial good of all is promoted that in truth it is for the welfare of the whole community that certain persons should alone pursue certain occupations it is not the special benefit conferred on the few that moves the legislature but the ultimate and real benefit of all even of those who are denied the right to pursue those specified occupations does the gentleman from kentucky say that my good is promoted when i am excluded from the public inn is the health or safety of the community promoted doubtless his prejudice is gratified doubtless his democratic instincts are pleased but will he or his able coadjutor say that such exclusion is a lawful exercise of the police power of the state or that it is not a denial to me of the equal protection of the laws they will not so say but each of these gentlemen quote as some link from the decision of the court to show that the court recognizes a difference between citizenship of the united states and citizenship of the states that is true and no man here who supports this bill questions or overlooks the difference there are privileges and immunities which belong to me as a citizen of the united states and there are other privileges and immunities which belong to me as a citizen of my state the former are under the protection of the constitution and laws of the united states and the latter are under the protection of the constitution and laws of my state but what of that are the rights which i now claim the right to enjoy the common public conveniences of travel on public highways of rest and refreshment at public inns of education in public schools of burial in public cemeteries rights which i hold as a citizen of the united states or of my state or to state the question more exactly is not the denial of such privileges to me a denial to me of the equal protection of the laws for it is under this clause of the fourteenth amendment that we place the present bill no state shall deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws no matter therefore whether his rights are held under the united states or under his particular state he is equally protected by this amendment he is always and everywhere entitled to the equal protection of the laws all discrimination is forbidden and while the rights of citizens of a state as such are not defined or conferred by the constitution of the united states yet all discrimination all denial of equality before the law all denial of equal protection of the laws whether state or national laws is forbidden the distinction between the two kinds of citizenship is clear and the supreme court has clearly pointed out this distinction 
but has nowhere written a word or line which denies to congress the power to prevent a denial of equality of rights whether those rights exist by virtue of citizenship of the united states or of a state let honorable members mark well this distinction there are rights which are conferred on us by the united states there are other rights conferred on us by the states of which we are individually the citizens the fourteenth amendment does not forbid a state to deny to all its citizens any of those rights which the state itself has conferred with certain exceptions which are pointed out in the decision which we are examining what it does forbid is inequality is discrimination or to use the words of the amendment itself is the denial to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws if a state denies to me rights which are common to all her other citizens she violates this amendment unless she can show as was shown in the slaughterhouse cases that she does it in the legitimate exercise of her police power if she abridges the rights of all her citizens equally unless those rights are specifically guarded by the constitution of the united states she does not violate this amendment this is not to put the rights which i hold by virtue of my citizenship of south carolina under the protection of the national government it is not to blot out or overlook in the slightest particular the distinction between rights held under the united states and rights held under the states but it seeks to secure equality to prevent discrimination to confer as complete and ample protection on the humblest as on the highest the gentleman from kentucky in the course of the speech to which i am now replying made a reference to the state of massachusetts which betrays again the confusion which exists in his mind on this precise point he tells us that massachusetts excludes from the ballot-box all who cannot read and write and points to the fact as the exercise of a right which this bill would abridge or impair the honorable gentleman from massachusetts mr dawes answered him truly and well but i submit that he did not make the best reply why did he not ask the gentleman from kentucky if massachusetts had ever discriminated against any of her citizens on account of color or race or previous condition of servitude when did massachusetts sully her proud record by placing on her statute book any law which admitted to the ballot the white man and shut out the black man she has never done it she will not do it she cannot do it so long as we have a supreme court which reads the constitution of our country with the eyes of justice nor can massachusetts or kentucky deny to any man on account of his race color or previous condition of servitude that perfect equality of protection under the laws so long as congress shall exercise the power to enforce by appropriate legislation the great and unquestionable securities embodied in the fourteenth amendment to the constitution now sir having spoken of the prohibition imposed by massachusetts i may be pardoned for a slight inquiry as to the effect of this prohibition first it did not in any way abridge or curtail the exercise of the suffrage by any person who enjoyed such right nor did it discriminate against the illiterate native and the illiterate foreigner being enacted for the good of the entire commonwealth like all just laws its obligations fell equally and impartially on all its citizens and as a justification for such a measure it is a fact too well known almost for mention here that massachusetts had from the beginning of her history recognized the inestimable value of an educated ballot by not only maintaining a system of free schools but also enforcing an attendance thereupon as one of the safeguards for the preservation 
of a real republican form of government recurring then sir to the possible contingency alluded to by the gentleman from kentucky should the state of kentucky having first established a system of common schools whose doors shall swing open freely to all as contemplated by the provisions of this bill adopt a provision similar to that of massachusetts no one would have cause justly to complain and if in the coming years the result of such legislation should produce a constituency rivalling that of the old bay state no one would be more highly gratified than i mr speaker i have neither the time nor the inclination to notice the many illogical and forced conclusions the numerous transfers of terms or the vulgar insinuations which further encumber the argument of the gentleman from kentucky reason and argument are worse than wasted upon those who meet every demand for political and civil liberty by such ribaldry as this extracted from the speech of the gentleman from kentucky i suppose there are gentlemen on this floor who would arrest imprison and fine a young woman in any state of the south if she were to refuse to marry a negro man on account of colour race or previous condition of servitude in the event of his making her a proposal of marriage and her refusing on that ground that would be depriving him of a right he had under the amendment and congress would be asked to take it up and say this insolent white woman must be taught to know that it is a misdemeanour to deny a man marriage because of race colour or previous condition of servitude and congress will be urged to say after a while that that sort of thing must be put a stop to and your conventions of coloured men will come here asking you to enforce that right now sir recurring to the venerable and distinguished gentleman from georgia mr stevens who has added his remonstrance against the passage of this bill permit me to say that i share in the feeling of high personal regard for that gentleman which pervades this house his years his ability and his long experience in public affairs entitle him to the measure of consideration which has been accorded to him on this floor but in this discussion i cannot and will not forget that the welfare and rights of my whole race in this country are involved when therefore the honourable gentleman from georgia lends his voice and influence to defeat this measure i do not shrink from saying that it is not from him that the american house of representatives should take lessons in matters touching human rights or the joint relations of the state and national governments while the honourable gentleman contented himself with harmless speculations in his study or in the columns of a newspaper we might well smile at the impotence of his efforts to turn back the advancing tide of opinion and progress but when he comes again upon this national arena and throws himself with all his power and influence across the path which leads to the full enfranchisement of my race i meet him only as an adversary nor shall age or any other consideration restrain me from saying that he now offers this government which he has done his utmost to destroy a very poor return for its magnanimous treatment to come here and seek to continue by the assertion of doctrines obnoxious to the true principles of our government the burdens and oppressions which rest upon five millions of his countrymen who never fail to lift their earnest prayers for the success of this government when the gentleman was seeking to break up the union of these states and to blot the american republic from the galaxy of nations sir it is scarcely twelve years since that gentleman shot the civilized world by announcing the birth of a government which rested on human slavery as its cornerstone the progress of events has swept away that pseudo-government which rested on greed pride and tyranny 
and the race whom he then ruthlessly spurned and trampled on is here to meet him in debate and to demand that the rights which are enjoyed by his former oppressors who vainly sought to overthrow a government which they could not prostitute to the base uses of slavery shall be accorded to those even in the darkness of slavery kept their allegiance true to freedom and the union sir the gentleman from georgia has learned much since eighteen sixty one but he is still a laggard let him put away entirely the false and fatal theories which have so greatly marred an otherwise enviable record let him accept in its fullness and beneficence the great doctrine that american citizenship carries with it every civil and political right which manhood can confer let him lend his influence with all his masterly ability to complete the proud structure of legislation which makes this nation worthy of the great declaration which heralded its birth and he will have done that which will most nearly redeem his reputation in the eyes of the world and best vindicate the wisdom of that policy which has permitted him to regain his seat upon this floor to the diatribe of the gentleman from virginia mr harris who spoke yesterday and who so far transcended the limits of decency and propriety as to announce upon this floor that his remarks were addressed to white men alone i shall have no word of reply let him feel that a negro was not only too magnanimous to smite him in his weakness but was even charitable enough to grant him the mercy of his silence i shall sir leave to others less charitable the unenviable and fatiguing task of sifting out of that mass of chaff the few grains of sense that may perchance deserve notice assuring the gentleman that the negro in this country aims at a higher degree of intellect than that exhibited by him in this debate i cheerfully commend him to the commiseration of all intelligent men the world over black men as well as white men sir equality before the law is now the broad universal glorious rule and mandate of the republic no state can violate that kentucky and georgia may crowd their statute books with retrograde and barbarous legislation they may rejoice in the odious eminence of their consistent hostility to all the great steps of human progress which have marked our national history since slavery tore down the stars and stripes on fort sumter but if congress shall do its duty if congress shall enforce the great guarantees which the supreme court has declared to be the one pervading purpose of all the recent amendments then their unwise and unenlightened conduct will fall with the same weight upon the gentlemen from those states who now lend their influence to defeat this bill as upon the poorest slave who once had no rights which the honourable gentlemen were bound to respect but sir not only does the decision in the slaughter-house cases contain nothing which suggests a doubt of the power of congress to pass the pending bill but it contains an express recognition and affirmance of such power i quote from page eighty one of the volume nor shall any state deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws in the light of the history of these amendments and the pervading purpose of them which we have already discussed it is not difficult to give a meaning to this clause the existence of laws in the states where the newly emancipated negroes resided which discriminated with gross injustice and hardship against them as a class was the evil to be remedied by this clause and by it such laws are forbidden if however the states did not conform their views to its requirements then by the fifth section of the article of amendment congress was authorized to enforce it by suitable legislation we doubt very much whether any action of a state not directed by way of discrimination 
against the negroes as a class or on account of their race will ever be held come within the purview of this provision it is so clearly a provision for that race and that emergency that a strong case would be necessary for its application to any other but as it is a state that is to be dealt with and not alone the validity of its laws we may safely leave that matter until congress shall have exercised its power or some case of state oppression by denial of equal justice in its courts shall have claimed a decision at our hands no language could convey a more complete assertion of the power of congress over the subject embraced in the present bill than is here expressed if the states do not conform to the requirements of this clause if they continue to deny to any person within their jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws or as the supreme court had said deny equal justice in its courts then congress is here said to have power to enforce the constitutional guarantee by appropriate legislation that is the power which this bill now seeks to put in exercise it proposes to enforce the constitutional guarantee against inequality and discrimination by appropriate legislation it does not seek to confer new rights nor to place rights conferred by state citizenship under the protection of the united states but simply to prevent and forbid inequality and discrimination on account of race color or previous condition of servitude never was there a bill which appealed for support more strongly to that sense of justice and fair play which has been said and in the main with justice to be a characteristic of the anglo-saxon race the constitution warrants it the supreme court sanctions it justice demands it sir i have replied the, to the extent of my ability to the arguments which have been presented by the opponents of this measure i have replied also to some of the legal propositions advanced by gentlemen on the other side and now that i am about to conclude i am deeply sensible of the imperfect manner in which i have performed the task technically this bill is to decide upon the civil status of the colored american citizen a point disputed at the very formation of our present form of government when by a short-sighted policy a policy repugnant to true republican government one negro counted as three-fifths of a man the logical result of this mistake of the framers of the constitution strengthened the cancer of slavery which finally spread its poisonous tentacles over the southern portion of the body politic to arrest its growth and save the nation we have passed through the harrowing operation of intestine war dreaded at all times resorted to at the last extremity like the surgeon's knife but absolutely necessary to extirpate the disease which threatened with the life of the nation the overthrow of civil and political liberty on this continent in that dire extremity the members of the race which i have the honour in part to represent the race which pleads for justice at your hands to-day forgetful of their inhuman and brutalizing servitude at the south their degradation and ostracism at the north flew willingly and gallantly to the support of the national government their sufferings assistance privations and trials in the swamps and in the rice-fields their valour on the land and on the sea form a part of the ever-glorious record which makes up the history of a nation preserved and might should i urge the claim incline you to respect and guarantee their rights and privileges as citizens of our common republic but i remember that valour devotion and loyalty are not always rewarded according to their just deserts and that after the battle some who have borne the brunt of the fray may through neglect or contempt be assigned to a subordinate place while the enemies in war may be preferred to the sufferers the results of the war as seen 
in reconstruction have settled forever the political status of my race the passage of this bill will determine the civil status not only of the negro but of any other class of citizens who may feel themselves discriminated against it will form the capstone of that temple of liberty begun on this continent under discouraging circumstances carried on in spite of the sneers of monarchists and the cavils of pretended friends of freedom until at last it stands in all its beautiful symmetry and proportions a building the grandest which the world has ever seen realizing the most sanguine expectations and the highest hopes of those who in the name of equal impartial and universal liberty laid the foundation stone the holy scriptures tell us of an humble handmaiden who long faithfully and patiently gleaned in the rich fields of her wealthy kinsman and we are told further that at last in spite of her humble antecedents she found favour in his sight for over two centuries our race has reaped down your fields the cries and woes which we have uttered have entered into the ears of the lord of sabaoth and we are at last politically free the last vestiture only is needed civil rights having gained this we may with hearts overflowing with gratitude and thankful that our prayer has been answered repeat the prayer of ruth entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee for whither thou goest i will go and where thou lodgest i will lodge thy people shall be my people and thy god my god where thou diest i will die and there will i be buried the lord do so to me and more also if aught but death part thee and me End of section 7